Welcome to episode 10, Blockchain Rock. Today with us, we have Arsene Tarosian. This is the last episode of season one. Arsene, it's so great to have you as our final guest for this season. Uh, thank you so much for coming on Blockchain Rock today. Thank you very much, Omri, for having me. So uh, as it is custom, uh, we'd like you to speak about uh, your story first. Uh, now I know, I got the chance to know you before this episode, actually. And I know you have some past in game development and you're not actually from the UK. So it's you have an interesting story. So I'd like you to share that with us. Uh, sure. Um, so I got into computers like early on in my age. Um, when I was six, my dad got me my first like PC. Um, and he had like a rule, just like, play as much as you want with it, break it, it's fine. Um, he refused to get me a PS4. Um, so that way, like, I started getting into computers. Uh, by the age of around, like, 12, 13, I had already gained some knowledge in terms of, like, how coding works. So I started, like, playing around with, like, websites, um, just creating websites, helping people with, like, their phones. Um, when was uh, this? Uh, that was when I was about 12, 13, so I would say in like 2000 early 2000s okay um so after that um i saw like i started making money online and like creating websites for doing just simple freelancing work um then i saw the iphone 3g coming out and the apps are with it so i was like oh this is going to be like a big opportunity so i was like you know what i'm gonna dig into it see if i can make any games and where did you, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Where did you see that? Because I remember you're from, you were in Greece, right? Yeah. At that time, because you grew up in Greece. Now yeah. I grew up in Italy and I know, for example, in Italy, yes, the iPhone 3G was, you know, advertised and all of that. Um, and I used to spend quite some time on, you know, on the computer, on the internet, but it wasn't as advertised. It was hard, I think, to appreciate, uh, you know, the opportunity that came, especially with the App Store. So where, how did you, how did you learn about the App Store and about the fact that you could upload that you just... Where do you see it? Um, so pretty much it was from advertisements, but because I was also like a geek, like literally I was like on a computer like 24 seven, um, like I started seeing it on like online news. Um, and then like once I found out that it, the phone was actually going to be sold in Greece, I was like, I need to get one. Um, and that's how I pretty much like started, like I started digging into more uh, into Apple, trying to figure out like what else are they offering? And that's also when I saw the App Store because uh, I ended up watching the keynote and they introduced also the App Store. And that's when I was like, yeah, I need to make a game for it. Because actually it was one of my favorite games was uh, featured on it, Crush Bandicoot. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, this is like something that not revolutionized the world back then, but it was like something ahead of its time. And how old were you when you identified this opportunity? I think I was like 15. 15 or 16 because <laughs> i remember when i um when i started studying before becoming uh, or starting to become a lawyer you know I, I was in audio production and i remember as one of the courses that the university offered was about game development for the app store like it was mobile game development and at the time i was like well who would study <laughs> this it's just gonna be transitional you know and actually it became such a massive market so sorry to interrupt it's just funny because when you were 15 you identified an opportunity which I wasn't able to identify when I was like 21. <laughs> so. uh, actually, like for me, again, uh, games were my passion. When I was a kid, I, I would always play video games. So like when I got the opportunity to s also make money out of it, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll go into it for sure. Um, then uh, because I had already proven to my parents that I can actually make some money online, um, I managed to convince them to get me like a Mac because back then you could only make games with a Mac if you want to publish for an I for for iOS. 
Um, so using Xcode and uh, Xcode, Corona SDK. <coughs> Swift um, is new, right? It's not Swift program. Is, yeah. yeah, Swift is new. Uh, I think it's like for the past three, four years, maybe. Yeah, I, know um, that it's new I haven't well. followed much for the past like years uh, on Apple. Um, then after that, I started like making a few games. Uh, the first one took me like six months. It was a complete disaster. What was it? <laughs> it? It was literally like a game that you just like. It was like a screen, and you had like a few hearts, and you press on them, and your score went up. That's it. So it was kind of like guacamole with, with hearts. Um, it, it, it was a disaster, but hey, it was my first game. Like when I saw it on the app store, I was like, finally. Um, didn't make anything out of it. Um, but then I started like working on my skills, got better and better. And within like, I had a few apps that reached the top of the charts in many countries. Um, I had a few that were like top free downloaded pretty much like on in almost all the countries. Um, again, like, I had some sort of success, I would say, uh, in my game development times. Uh, same with paid, uh, paid games. Um, but and then what happened? Like, how did you move? How did you transition from that to cryptocurrencies? And how do you move from Greece to London? Like, how do, to the UK? How did, um, did it all happen? So, like, I had a few goals in my mind when I was starting the development because I like to like approach something with goals in mind. Uh, so my goals were like. Uh, makes make a game that was like downloaded worldwide that was like recognized um, make some money out of it for sure and be s somewhat successful so uh, in, a, in about two years that I applied like up to like I think like around 200 games um, I managed to do that so after so successful that in this respect like yeah. in respect of game development for uh, iOS sorry in respect of game development for the mobile market. Yes, correct. Yeah. So for me personally, like achieved what I wanted to do and there wasn't any more challenge for me. Yeah, I could try to develop more games and make more money, but at the end of the day, it wasn't that. And I started like, I, start, I started not liking making games. It was getting more boring and boring just because like, okay, I'm going to increase my revenue. So what? Yeah. It, it's... It wasn't giving me any pleasure and that's why like i started like stopping developing games uh to the point where i hadn't i i just like quit completely i had my games on the app store for quite a while but i never really cared to like update them or just make something yeah, new patch them and all that yeah um then after that um so again being a teenager i started going out a lot and having fun um uh, as a teenager should do um but I kind of overdid it to the point where my parents were like, you need to stop doing that and you need to get your life together because you start like in a good path where you're like trying to be entrepreneurial, try to be like a business person um, ahead of your age, I would say. And then I would end up like out every day, going like never being home, having yeah. fun. The symptoms so, of early success. Yeah. So <laughs> and again, give give a young person a lot of money. He's gonna spend it one way or another. And in my case, I did. Um, I spent it stupidly, like on like good clothes and things like that. But it's a mistake that I learned at an early age. Easy money comes, easy goes. Um, after that, my parents were like, you need to do something with your life. So I had attended a conference in London uh, for, I think it was like iOS 6, um, the release of it. Um, so Apple was doing like um, 
keynote of sort. A keynote of sort, right, for developers only. So I chose to go to London. Um, then, like, I kind of fell in love with the city. I, I thought it was going to be a city that I can grow into. On the way back, I, like, I kept London in the back of my mind, always like, this is going yeah, to be the city or yeah, some, yeah. That where mm. I'm going to go. Um, and when my parents were like, decide where you want to go, because you're not staying in Greece anymore, I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll move to London. Now, how old were you when you moved to London? 20. So, 20 years old, I moved to London. You had uh, the plan, you had the job. I, had, I knew no one. I uh, had no job whatsoever. Uh, I, had, I literally didn't know what I was going to be doing there. Uh, so, I moved there. Um, for a few months, I didn't do much. I was just like sitting around applying for jobs. Um, some of them went fine uh, because, again, my portfolio, even though I didn't have a degree. So what were you applying for? So I tried to apply for pretty much anything in like the like development industry. Um, I tried to find like a few gaming studios. Maybe, maybe I could work there because of my experience. I did some other like applications in like software development, uh, but unfortunately couldn't get any job. Uh, eventually I, I landed, um, like I was like an IT manager in a hotel. So I started kind of low, I would say, but it kind of like also grounded me as a person, I would say after that, like I worked there for a few months, um, then things didn't work out well. Uh, I didn't like the, the atmosphere there. So I ended up, uh, leaving. Um, and again, it was like my kind of like low points in London, um, because London is a city where you don't live, you survive. Yeah, so no, I agree. I lived in London like six years myself, and but I think it helps growing. You know the challenge. O obviously, like again, like London changes you as a person. I would say I agree. Yeah, a lot of times, like I remember, like a lot of times, I would think uh, what other people will think of me, um, especially while I was in Greece, right? But the moment you go to London, you start yeah. caring about. You're like, huh. Anonymity, yeah, no, yeah not that's the same. I'm from a small place in Italy myself, and like you know, growing up, it was all about your reputation because when it attaches to you, like that's it, pretty much. That's who you are. Yeah. But in London, like I think labels matter much less, um, and what really matters is what you do. So that's interesting. Like it has, of course, it's um, the ne like this has negative implications as well because I don't know. I don't. I feel it's harder to feel part of a community, maybe. Uh, I would say so because again, London. Even though I lived there, I ended up living there for six years. Um, it was very lonely, I would say. Um, so eventually, like I was at a, a kind of a low point. I didn't know what I'm gonna be doing in London, so I decided to fly back to Greece, um, just make a new strategy and figure out what I'm gonna be doing for my future. At that time, I started working again, um, like into development, freelancing, um, and then like. Thank God, um, I met a person uh, that want for me to make a game for him, and he ended up paying me in Bitcoin. At first, I was like, uh, "What am I gonna do yeah, with not it?" Not sure whether. When was yeah. this? Which year? That was early 2014. That was wow. So it yeah. was really at the beginning. How much was the value of Bitcoin by then? Do you remember? Um, I think it was just after Mount Gox started going down, uh, after the hack of the 650,000 Bitcoin. So. I think it dropped when I got in. I remember it was about like hundred dollars. Okay. Per Bitcoin, um, so I was like, sure. Uh, after doing a little bit of research, I was like, okay, fine. I can turn it into fiat, 
and I accepted his offer. I made him a gay, he paid me in fiat. And then after that, um, I was like, what do I do with it? So I found a broker on local Bitcoins, sold it to him, lost a little bit in commission. And then I was like, okay, this works. So I continued doing work like this, getting paid in Bitcoin um, to the point where I had a lot of free time in my hands uh, and also not worrying about bills. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to start brokering myself. There's no point of like selling my Bitcoin to a broker, losing the commission. Started doing that. And eventually I saw that I was making extra money by just brokering. So straight away, logically, you think like, okay, if I put more money, do I make more money out of it? And that's how I pretty much started getting into uh, brokering Bitcoin. Um, again, it wasn't anything ideological back then. It was like, like everyone else in crypto would say, the first thing they think is how can I make money out of it, yeah. right? So I followed the same path. At first, all I care about was making like, okay, can I make a little bit more money out of it? So I started like buying more crypto from exchanges and started selling it on local Bitcoin and kept doing that for, for a while. And that's pretty much like how tap also started um so eventually i started having problems with banks so banks would see the big volume that i was doing per day right money coming in money coming out the yeah. same day and they had questions back then banks still didn't know much about cryptocurrencies so usually they would come back to me and say like okay your account is blocked could you explain us what you're doing i would give them like an overview of what i've done all the transactions that I've done with who I've done it with uh, but eventually they didn't care much uh, they would end up closing your account after yeah, they like wouldn't take the risk no <clears throat> of course not uh, they have a very low risk appetite um, so they would close your account sometimes uh, they would lock your funds for like a few months until the investigation was over and that kind of like started pretty much like it, it started bothering me um, to the point where I thought like okay other people might be having the same issue um, after that, like I kept opening bank accounts, kept doing my brokering for another two years, but always having the same issue. Banks coming to me, telling me that, okay, your account is locked or because most of them can't say that they've locked your account because that's tipping off. They would just like not answer your phone or like if yeah. you call them, they would say, sorry, yeah, we'll let you know later. Um, and then when you have all your funds locked for three, four months, that damages your business, but also your personal life. Yeah. Especially when in cases where also there are a lot of cases online, if you check, where people that are not even related to crypto or they've done some crypt, small crypto transactions, their account gets locked and then they can't pay rent or they can't pay their parking tickets or like their just daily commute to work or get paid their salary, right? So through those issues, I figured that, you know what, if I'm having that problem, someone else might be having it too. And that's pretty much like how I thought, you know what, let's start pretty much like our own bank at first. But unfortunately, when you Google how to start your own bank, <laughs> you realize it's, 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 it's not, first of all, you can't find many answers on it. Uh, Cause like no one really Googles it. If you're building one, you know what you're doing. Um, but then I was like, okay, let's start digging in a little bit more. And that was back in 2015 and it was pretty much like when Revolut came out. Um, so I was like, okay, this is like a very great idea. Um, so I started digging in a little bit to see like how they get things done. Um, then I, I saw that, okay, so 
I found out that they were using Paysafe back then. I started digging in a little bit more, trying to figure out what Paysafe does. And that's how I found out pretty much what a bin sponsor was. Um, after that, I tried to contact Paysafe. Um, they, at first, like the conversation started normally that, hey, I want to create an e-wallet. Um, but the moment they heard cryptocurrencies, that was the end of it. They just like hang up the phone. I kept like trying, trying to find other bin sponsors. Um, I had a call with Wavecrest back then, uh, then had a few calls with Wirecard also. But unfortunately, again, because it was against Mastercard's guidelines and visas, I couldn't get a, a reputable issuer to get me a card. Um, so I ended up like continuing trying to research for the for another year, pretty much, um, while I was still doing my brokering. Um, until one day, um, I receive a call from Wirecard, and the person that I was talking to, he was like, "Yeah, you know what? We can do crypto now." So I started the process with them, um, but that was like I would say early. 2000 or actually late 2016 i think or 2017 i can't remember actually um so i started working with them a little bit trying to figure out the things that i need to do thank god again they were very honest with me uh, and i appreciate from them um and they told me like yeah you have a good idea but unfortunately you don't have the experience yeah and yeah it was obvious i didn't know a lot of things on how to build just just an idea but that's what I find fascinating about you. You're very entrepreneurial. You see the the App Store coming up, you get into game development. Uh, you find cryptocurrency, you get into brokering. You find a problem in brokering, you go and contact bank as a, what, 21, 22 years old, and you start, like, the conversation, even though you have no experience. Like, that that aspect, you know, as a person that works in the legal industry, we're very, like, we don't really have much appetite for risk, and I... I think it's so fascinating to have that kind of drive and mindset. And uh, and how did you go from this part of your life, let's say from from this moment where you know you found all of this resistance to tap? How did how did you go about it? Well, the thing is, it helps like sometimes being an entrepreneur because like the more no you hear, the more stubborn you get. So again, I kept like researching, like literally abusing people with like email. Can we get this done? Can we get this done? Um, when Wirecard told me, you know what, you need to build a team uh, like around you because you're not that experienced, I was like, okay, do you have anyone to recommend to me? Um, so eventually, like, I ended up meeting Dave. How uh, did you meet Dave? Through Wirecard? Yep, through Wirecard. They gave me a list of people and, like, I just emailed just Dave. <laughs> when uh, was this? It must have been before GDPR because <laughs> th- 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 nowadays was... it would be a, a nightmare. <laughs> well, it's a consultancy list, right? Ah, fair so enough, it's fair like enough. a referral. Yeah. Um, so like it was back in early, it was like late 2016, I would say probably like November, 2016. Unfortunately, Dave was like, uh, swamped with work back then. So like we had a two hour meeting, he explained me everything that I need to do in order to build a card program. Um, but unfortunately again, I don't have the knowledge, so I couldn't go further than that further yeah. with all the information that he gave me i kept in my mind i still kept doing some research trying to find maybe like a white label solution um to the point where i got not frustrated with like not tr- not being able to find a solution then i thank god uh like i contacted dave and he was like you know what i'll have some free time from now on so i can commit to you for a few more days per month 
and that's pretty much like when we started like early 2017. Um, by then, we started working also with Transact Payments, um, there, with them being our issuer and Issuer is in card issuer, correct? They yeah. provide you with the cards that you. So, what, can you can you explain before all of this part? Can you explain what Tap is for those that are listening right now? So, so Tap is an e wallet. Um, so, what we're trying to do is combine banking, but also uh, give the user the ability to buy cryptocurrencies. Uh, one of the issue that I found was while I was like a broker was that a lot of people, especially like new people that were coming into cryptocurrencies, they would ask me like, okay. Where can I spend my cryptocurrencies? Where, what can I do with it? Do I just buy and hold it? Um, like they couldn't see the use case of it. There is again like um, a use case depends on the person. Uh, some of the some of the people in crypto do it for ideo ideological reasons. Some of them do it for to get some profits out of it. Um, so we're like, okay, you know what? Let's start solving all the problems that people have. So pretty much like TAP solves the issue of like, how do you hold your currencies? Where do you hold them? Because again, security is a huge important, uh, it's a very important subject Part, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in crypto. Um, where do you hold it? How do you spend it? Um, how can you buy it? And especially like for a cheap price compared to what other suppliers might charge you. Um, and eventually like make things easy because the entry level in crypto is it's not a straightforward thing. I remember seeing Bitcoin. I, I don't remember exactly the year, but I remember uh, it must have been somewhere around 2013 and, or 2014. And um, it was around the time of Silk Road. You remember when Silk Road hit the yep. news? And I was really interested about this whole dark web. I didn't know anything about it at the time. Um, not that I know much about it yet now. Um, but I was interested because they kept mentioning this Bitcoin, these cryptocurrencies, and I just wanted to understand the subject matter, you know, more deeply. So I started researching, I remember, and I was like, oh, okay, buy Bitcoin online. I was go I Googled that and I couldn't find anything. I couldn't find where to buy it. Like it would send me to some weird forum, you know, like those user were like, basically it was just user generated content. It would, there was nothing official. I went bitcoin.com. It wasn't a place where you could buy Bitcoin at the time. I think it was, I remember that I did not understand how can you buy Bitcoin. And so I just like forgot about it. So yeah. Uh, that's the issue that we, we I wanted to solve pretty much. Um, because again, like a lot of times people would get scammed uh, people would send a payment somewhere or like a Western Union or like a cash deal and then they would end up getting robbed. Um, so the idea was find a way to get people into cryptocurrencies, but in a safe way. Um, right now we are into like a mobile era. A lot of people are using their phones more than they use uh, computers. Um, so again, uh, and since we are aiming consumers, that's the way to go pretty much just simply mobile. So tap ended up being a, a mobile app, um, a simple way to onboard. So you just take a selfie picture of your passport and a utility bill. We do some KYC checks, some peps and sanctions. Um, you get approved pretty much like same day once you start the process. And then after that you get your own personal bank account, uh, both for euros and pound sterling and also you get access to our trading platform 
and also provide a prepaid MasterCard uh, to our users. So that way they can also have their funds instantly. Um, because again, one of the issues that a lot of people get, right, is yeah, you you find a way to buy cryptocurrencies, but then what if you want to cash it out? What if you want to use it? What if you have to pay rent and you, you only have like the crypto on the side? Right now, or at least when I, when I first started, there wasn't an easy solution. You had to go again back to a broker, sell it, they'll send you fiat in your bank account, and then, which again, it was like a few unnecessary yeah, it's steps. It's clunky and yeah. it's expensive because you have fees. Even yeah. if you don't go to a broker, even if you do it through an exchange, fees sometimes can be quite high, especially if you're using user-friendly exchanges, I find, right? Exactly, because again, the exchanges had min have minimum uh, like minimums in order to withdraw, so again, most people do not have like a thousand pounds or a thousand euros minimum to withdraw. And then the exchange might charge them five to 25 euros or pounds, which is again, like very expensive for, for the yeah. consumer. So we ended up like finding all the issues in the market and trying to combine them in one app, plus give you the card in case like you ever need cash straight away, or if you need to pay for something, you can do it with us. Yeah. And do you also support uh, other type of like altcoins, for example, or, you know, forks, but all of the Bitcoin cash and all of these ones? Are you supporting them or? Um, as of now, we don't. Uh, we we tend to stay away from uh, cryptocurrencies that come from a fork, um, especially like when it comes to Bitcoin, uh, because a lot of a lot of forks that happened on the Bitcoin network uh, was kind of like an attack on Bitcoin. Uh, See, that's what I don't understand. I don't understand exactly what fork. I mean, I understand the concept of a fork from what, from my perspective and from my understanding. Whenever you want to introduce a change within the smart contract of Bitcoin, you'd have to do that by way of a fork, correct? So you'd be creating like an updated version of it. And from that point in time onwards, the part of the network that decides to buy into that change becomes, you know, the fork. Uh, coin that could be I don't know Bitcoin Cash or um, other form of um, forks. Uh, so I don't understand exactly how does it work. How can you have concurrently Bitcoin and the fork, and how do these two relate to each other? Can are you can can you go into that? So think about it this way: when you have a file on your computer, just copy and paste. Yeah. And you start changing the second version, right? The first version stays the same. Second version become something different. So you can think of a fork like this, right? Uh, so you take the original chain, apply your changes, and now you have like, up to a point, it was the same chain, but after that they just split. So that's what we call a fork pretty much. And what about the existing currency? Like what happened to Bitcoins that were mined before then, you know, and that were out uh, for people to use? Like so how do, does part of that changes and become the new currency or it doesn't like? It does. So the moment the fork happens, um, whatever you had on your wallet before the fork, you're going to get the equivalent uh, after the fork. So it's pretty much like printing free money, I would say. Um, so, But the old, but the previous currency stays? Yes. Ah, so, so you get both. Yes, correct. So in the case of, uh, in the case of Bitcoin Cash, uh, so after the fork, you get rewarded also Bitcoin Cash, but you'll still keep your Bitcoin. So let's assume I had 10 Bitcoin in my wallet. Yeah. Okay. The fork happened. Do I get 10 Bitcoin and 10 Bitcoin cash? 
So your original 10 Bitcoin will stay as it is. Yeah. And then once the new chain is work up and running, you'll get the Bitcoin, the 10 Bitcoin uh, cash also. So holders of Bitcoin made a lot of money because although these Bitcoin cash and these forks aren't very successful, they still hold some value. Correct. Uh, correct. So um, back in 2017, I think when it when the fork happened, um, yeah, a lot of people that had uh, Bitcoin um, made quite a bit of uh, money out of it. So it would be in the interest of people holding Bitcoin to promote those forks in order to sell them at a good value. Um, yes and no, I would say. Um, it, um, yeah, it benefits a lot of people. Um, on a fork if you're holding a specific currency but also on the other hand you need to think like what gives value on the other on the other side so if the fork happens where does the value come from right yeah. in the case of bitcoin to bitcoin cash there was some arguments about the protocol um some people say that yeah it might have been pumped uh or like a big amount of advertising went into bitcoin cash in order to make it credible uh like there are cases where you see so websites like bitcoin.com you would go there thinking okay this well most newbies will go to bitcoin.com right instead of bitcoin.org yeah. um so when they went there uh, they would see uh buy bitcoin and then you would see the uh it said like bitcoin cash bch instead of like bitcoin btc yeah. So a lot of, there are a lot of websites that try to confuse people into buying Bitcoin Cash, um, which for me personally, I, th I felt like it was an attack to the original chain. Um, and that's why like I'm against forks. Um, yeah. It's the good thing about crypto is that you have the freedom to do whatever you want. Right. If you have a following, that's fine. But do not attack another chain. Stay. So you, yeah, you could create a new one yeah. with new parameters. Yeah, yeah, correct. Like, if you're different, advertise your difference. Do not try to piggy bank over someone else's name. Like, yeah. in the cases where Bitcoin cash against Bitcoin. I feel I that, and a lot of people have lost money. Again, if you go online, you'll find a lot of cases where people have bought uh, Bitcoin cash thinking it's Bitcoin because they would say, okay, let's say Bitcoin cash is like at $200 and like Bitcoin is at 6000 People were like, oh, this is like a, great offer right i would jump in or like a lot of times like um again um in the case of bitcoin.com um it had a wallet so a lot of times people will just send from a bitcoin wallet uh for from like a normal bitcoin wallet to a bitcoin.com wallet and the coins would get lost or vice versa thanks for clarifying that for me because i never really understood it um now you know Going back to what we were saying before, uh, you're very entrepreneurial, you're able to spot new opportunities. Has there been any trend in the industry that, you know, made you think that uh, that could be the that could become the new trend or, you know, especially related to the fintech industry, but also in technology generally? There are a few things that I think that there's still room for development. I would say, especially like in the fintech world, um, global issues would be one mm -hmm. um, because again, like, trying to reach every jurisdiction, try to give them a card, not so easy. Um, I know a lot of people remember the old days where like Wavecrest would issue cards to pretty much like any part of the world. <laughs> um, but yeah, those days are long gone. Um, then I would say stable coins. Um, there's still some good use cases out there. 
um, because again, getting into stable coins, not so easy. Um, there, there is room for development for sure. I see. And what about for TAP? Is there anything happening anytime soon? Is there any particular, you know, features that you're going to implement? You might want to discuss about what's, uh, what's in the future for you and for TAP? So we're looking for expanding for sure. Uh, well, the first plan is to launch here in Europe. Uh, we hope early January we're going to do a big launch. Uh, we're already in uh, beta phases. You've tested the app. Yes. You know it's working. <laughs> um, it it took us quite a while to just get here. Um, so again, we're still looking for uh, jurisdictions to expand in. Uh, probably the next step is going to be Asia Pac, uh, Australia also, and New Zealand. Uh, we're also looking the possibilities of going in the US. Um, plus, there are some other features that we're looking into, some, some business accounts uh, for crypto companies, because again, we know it's hard to get, like even with us, even though we do have the in-principle approval from the GFSC, uh, and we have provided so much, so many documentations uh, about how TAP works, the banks again have like, such a, a resistant low, yeah, yeah a resistant to providing accounts sorry just go back to something that you just mentioned the in principle approval for the dlt providers license can you expand on that why sure. did you even you know bother applying for it given that so many businesses which operate in the blockchain and cryptocurrency space are not regulated so so um one of the things that like i have in heart also it's honesty uh and security i would say um most cryptocurrency companies are not looking to get uh, like regulated just because it's just like extra paperwork or it's just like they know they're not going to get a license yeah. at all. Also extra expense. It's very yeah. expensive. It's, it's an expense also. And trust me, we know. Um, <laughs> so the, the thing that we want to do was like provide assurances to our customers that, you know what, we'll go the extra mile for you. Because again, there are other competitors out there like that do kind of similar things that what TAP does, right? But without the license. Yeah, we have an, in all our fiat is held by transact payments, so everything is segregated. We are not touching any fiat money, but we also want to make sure that anyone that deposits crypto with us, it's safe. So we have everything in cold storage, 100% of it. Um, everything is insured up to 100 million. So again, it's just to provide as much assurance as possible to the consumer, especially for someone that gets into crypto, if they saw the same product, but one of it is regulated and one of it is not, where would they go? Yeah, they would go for the safer, especially given the reputation that crypto still behold to a degree, I think, due to, you know, the past, um, the boom in 2017, you know, all of the scams. And actually one of the arguments that we've made over and over again on Blockchain Rock is that many of those were not scams, but it was simply, you know, people with a lack of experience raising incredible funds behind their idea and then and then just failing. And so people perceive the whole crypto industry as being something quite negative. So actually you're right. Um, again, uh, one thing that helped me uh, into becoming a better business person, I would say, is actually getting this license. It has matured me. If it was me like two years ago with what we have right now, I'll tell you that we would fail. Because again, like it has taught me so much stuff. And I would think like everyone should get should go and get a license, especially like people like at my age, right? Because again, most people raised like 20, 30 million back in 2017. Yeah. No business experience, not a good team around them. And like, I'm thankful that I have like a very strong team around me with 
and all of them are like very experienced in their fields. Um, but when it comes to like the heads of the companies, I would highly advise to try to get at least a license or at least go through the effort. So because it teaches you a lot of things. Yeah, it's like a checkbox mechanism. You need to comply with so many requirements from, you know, having the right competence to the right experience to people with the right experience. So I can I can see what you mean. Um Arsene, it's time I'd say to wrap up the episode. Thank you so so much for coming on Blockchain Rock. It is great to close uh, you know the first season with you. Um we hope to see you again in season two. And uh, that's all. We're going to take a Christmas break and we're going to come back in January. Thank you again for everything. And thank you. Uh, all the best to you and TAP uh, in the meantime. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me. And I hope I wish you the best. Thank you very much. Bye, everyone.